0: Well thank you Evie and Maya for reading so well our little piece of Psalm 104 this morning. It's a beautiful psalm reflecting on God's creation, a poem about creation showing us how our environment around us naturally cares for and homes all the creatures and animals in our world. I'd really suggest to you to read the whole of Psalm 104. The person who wrote the psalm is laying out a beautiful vision of the earth saying that it is all included in God's care. Not just the really cute animals that we see in the viral YouTube videos like these ones, but even animals like this, where we might question their beauty. They are all included in God's care. In our reading this morning in Psalm 104, we heard a bit about um, something called a Leviathan, and as, we were, as I was reading that during the week, it made me stop and wonder, what earth is a Leviathan? I hadn't come across it before. I had to do a bit of research. And I googled Leviathan, and this is a picture that came up. There we go. Um, it is an ancient mythical sea creature in the Jewish belief system. Um, it, it actually is in a few other books in the Bible as well. It's in um, Amos, it's in Isaiah, and in Job. And it's often used as a metaphor. And there's loads more interesting reading and learning to do about the Leviathan. So if you find yourself with a bit of free time this afternoon and want to find out a bit more about it, have a Google of it Um, and you'll find this picture. Well, I mean, it's a painting, not a picture. Someone didn't go down to Chip's Lake with their iPhone and take a picture of it, it's It's a painting. painting, but you get the idea. It's all included in God's creation. It's all included in God's care. I wonder, have you ever had an encounter with an animal or a moment in nature that has made you stop in your tracks and just go, wow. In my early twenties, I went on a few trips to Australia to visit my old friends, Mark and Jamie. And it was on my second trip that I had an encounter that made me both stop in awe and also in terror. See, we decided to go wild camping for a few nights. And in Australia, wild camping means wild camping. Here, I hope you can see, I'm not sure how clear it is, but I hope you can see that's a picture I took of the place where we were camping. We had the most beautiful view. And at night, because there was no um, light pollution around, because we were miles away from anything else, you could see the Southern Cross, which is one of the star constellations you can see from the Southern Hemisphere. I took a picture of it. Again, I'm not sure how clear it is to you, but maybe have a Google of Southern Cross and you can see how beautiful it is. I remember sitting up most of the evening, most of the night actually, just uh, looking at the beautiful sights and stars in front of me. I should mention as well, that's Percy, Mark's dog, an Australian sheepdog. Um, The sheepdog's instinct, its nature, is to round things up and bring them back to their owner. Now it was in the morning, uh, the following day. Uh, I was a bit tired because i had been up looking at the stars. So Mom decided to go off for a walk and left me in charge of the camp and the dog. So the dog was quite happy wandering around, doing whatever dogs do in the morning. And I was sitting down making some breakfast for us both. And off in the distance, I heard a fudding noise like this, and it was getting closer and louder. So I stood up just to see what it was and off in the distance was Percy rounding up a herd of kangaroos. There was about 50 of them and they were all jumping right towards where I was standing. Now I know kangaroos may look cute but they can actually be really dangerous. They can kill a human being with just one kick. So I was understandably glued to the spot in fear and it was like time stood still and it took me a few seconds to work out what to do. Thankfully, we had driven up and uh, we had left our truck just a few metres away. So I I ran a few metres, jumped into the back of a truck and ducked down. And I was able to watch the kangaroos come through the very spot that I had been standing on. And Percy came up behind them with a big smile on his face. Well, I mean, I'm not sure dogs can smile, but you know what I mean. He he came through and he was looking at me as if he was wanting a treat for bringing up, for rounding up all these um, animals to me. Well, thanks, Percy. you did just nearly kill me. But I will give you a treat, because you're a very cute dog. But looking up at the stars in wonder and awe that night, about how big our God is, and being glued to the spot, yes in fear, but looking back also in amazement at how these beautiful creatures moved, about how there were loads of individual ones, but they all moved as one in the herd together. I really hope you have a moment like that in your life Uh, where you are able to stop and appreciate the awesomeness and uh, the, the wonder of creation around us. For me, both of those moments speak about how awesome God is and how majestic creation is. When we see God's creation and provision around us, it can only lead us to a place of awe and wonder and then gratefulness. One of the lead thinkers around gratefulness is Brené Brown, pictured here. She researched it for over 12 years and one of the patterns she she saw emerge was this. People who described themselves as being joyful, all of them in some way practiced gratefulness. She went into the study thinking that well, people who are joyful should be grateful, but what she found was that it was the other way around. Practising gratitude invites joy into our lives. She quotes a priest who said this, It's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often heard this saying, have an attitude of gratitude. And the study that she did found that having an attitude of gratitude is a great thing to have. But what actually makes the difference isn't just having it as an attitude, but putting it into practice. The other week, Sarah Ingram introduced us to a great practice. They have a gratitude jar. They write down on a bit of paper, something they're grateful for, put it in the jar, and they're able to come back to it whenever they like to read it and to relive that moment of gratefulness for whatever it was. And there's lots of other ways to practice this. I know Charlie and Andy touched on it again uh, last week, but I just want to draw out some of those points that Charlie made. Be creative. Use art, use photography to practice gratefulness. Look out your window, find something that you find inspiring and have a go at drawing it. Take your camera maybe if you prefer that and take a picture of something that you find inspiring. At dinner time or at lunchtime, or even at breakfast time, Go around and think of one thing from the day that you are grateful for. I know for me one of the practices I find really helpful is at night before we go to to sleep me and my wife name three things during the day that we are grateful for. Slow down and notice things around you. Journal, maybe by writing it down or maybe keeping a photo journal so you're able to look back and realise the things that you've been grateful for that day. Record the compliments people give you. And I think importantly, my tip would be to start small. It doesn't need to be all about about recording grand gestures and massive events and painting artwork that's going to go in art galleries. It's just doing it for yourself. And for me, I always find it's helpful to start small. Think about the smell of the grass, the birds singing in the tree. Anne Voskamp, a Canadian author, writes this, I don't know if you can see it, Um, I'll read it to you. When I give thanks for the seemingly microscopic, I make a place for God to grow within me. When I give thanks for the seemingly microscopic, I make a place for God to grow within me. Start small with your practice of gratefulness. Piglet said this, Piglet noticed that even though he yeah. had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. I really like that quote. Because sometimes I feel like I can't do all this, but actually, it just takes a small amount of it to start to slowly build up in our hearts to hold, a, which can hold a huge amount of gratitude. For me, one of the ways I practice this is through taking photos. Um, I like to look back at the photos I've taken of um, of big holidays, maybe like a trip to Australia like I had, or my wedding day or honeymoon, or whether it's just hanging out with my friends and we've taken a few photos. I like to look back at those because I'm able to relive those moments and the memories come flooding back and I can be grateful for them all over again. The practice of gratefulness invites joy into our lives. I think the person who wrote this psalm was someone who was really aware of the goodness of God all around them, someone who was in awe at creation, and this led them to a place of being so grateful that they decided to write this beautiful psalm to describe it all. Last week was Ascension and today is Pentecost. 50 days after Easter, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the Apostles and the other followers of Jesus and uh, Psalm 104 is traditionally read at Pentecost and this this might seem a bit odd as Psalm 104 is all about creation and God's provision and Pentecost is all about the empowerment of the church through the Holy Spirit to go and um, share the good news but the connection was originally made through um, verse 13 in Psalm 104. And it says this, send out your spirits and they spring to life, the whole countryside and bloom and blossom. We read about the spirit of God being sent to bring forth life. Can you see the connections there? When we read this psalm at Pentecost, it makes a powerful point between placing, it places God's gift of creation and our physical life alongside our spiritual lives. Both are the work of the Spirit of God. Everything is spiritual.